0: Alright, alright. I am Farzin Vesugian, the host of the Chiefstone Podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening to another episode of the podcast. Appreciate it, as always. If you're a returning listener, you know the drill. I'm on social media. If you're listening for the first time, hey, very easy to interact with me. Facebook.com slash Farzin Vesugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter as well, at farzin 21 And send me an email as well, farzine at farzinewisugian.com. Very quiet week for the Kansas City Chiefs, but still a very good episode lined up for you guys. A lot to get into. We'll talk about a couple of these signings, not not big-name signings, but still some signings that the Kansas City Chiefs have made. We will talk about those, uh, what you need to know about these players, and what kind of an impact they could make on the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk about those two players those new Chiefs players, and also Therese Paylor of the Kansas City Star coming on the Chiefs podcast. Therese Paylor, of course, the Chiefs beat writer of the Star, and uh, he's been on the podcast before. Been uh, a couple of years, I want to say a year and a half since we've last had Therese, maybe two and a half years, can't remember exactly, but it's been a while since we've last had Therese Paylor on the podcast. I think it's been uh, more than two years now that I think about it, but it's been a while since we've last had him on the podcast, so we're going to bring him back on here. Lots to talk about with him. Uh, in the short time that we have, I mean, a very busy schedule for him this week, so he was able to fit us in, fortunately. So we definitely appreciate that from Torres Paylor. But a lot to get into with Patrick Mahomes, the upcoming draft, and also uh, something I wanted to ask about, about Brett reach Plus, uh, going back to the draft, as of course we are now in the month of April, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. Because there are a lot of articles about people talking about... You know, hopefully the the Chiefs go heavy with the defense in this draft. And that's what a lot of people are expecting. Therese kind of hints, you know, don't be too surprised if they go on offense with the first pick. We'll talk about that with him later on in the podcast. So, you guys on social media. If you haven't, subscribed to the podcast on iTunes. Let your friends know about it. Spread the word with the Chiefs on podcast. Hope you all had a great Easter weekend. Hope you guys enjoyed the Final Four. I know a lot of people here locally probably did and didn't enjoy it, just depending where you fall with college sports in the area. So a lot of KU fans, a lot of non-KU fans, so I can understand the split there. Uh, Definitely want to talk about that later on in the podcast. For those who live in Kansas City, you guys know it snowed on Sunday, now, it wasn't anything terrible, all of it went away by Tuesday morning, but we're in April, which, by the way, hard to believe, we're already three months through the New Year, hour we in the fourth month of 2018, but we're in April, and it was only fitting that it snowed on April 1st, like this was some crazy April Fool joke or something, but no, it, it definitely did snow in Kansas City, and that's not even the worst part, uh, I mean, the, the funny part about all that is uh, there was a Royals game on Sunday that was called off due to a threat of snow early Sunday morning. Eventually, the snow did come. Uh, I can't remember a Royals game or any baseball game for that matter. I'm sure there may be a baseball game out there or two that have been called off because of snow. But I cannot recall a Royals game ever being called off. Because of that, I imagine there, sometimes the World Series falls in late October, early November. I imagine there's a a city out there. I mean, the the, the Royals had a couple of World Series games in New York a couple of years ago. I don't know when uh, a World Series game has been called off because of snow, but uh, crazy to think it happens here in April. That's not even the worst, but I didn't get to the worst part. It's supposed to snow again in Kansas City this weekend. So if you're a Chiefs fan listening to this podcast outside of Kansas City I hope you're enjoying the warm weather. I was in Florida just a little over a week ago, and man, do I miss that weather, that uh, nice 80, 90 degree weather, and uh, here we are in, in, in the Midwest, dealing with snow. But hey, what are you going to do about it? Can't do much about that. Hopefully, it all goes away soon, because man, I uh, I love the warm weather. I love to go outside for a run. Uh, I'm not one of those people, like, some people like to do it with, when it's cool, I'm okay with that, but if it's too chilly for me, man, I mean, I just hate the cold overall. People say I'm crazy for this. I love running out, and, and I mentioned my weight loss here on the pod, uh, the podcast before, it, 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 just how much is it, I've become obsessed with it. I love working outdoors, even if it's like ninety 100s, I'll do it. I'll gladly do some stuff outside, you know, jump rope, do the ladders and whatnot, or go for a jog. That's me, man. I cannot do it in the 50s or 60s. Some people put a few layers of clothing on. That's great. I cannot do that at all. I just absolutely hate the cold. So hopefully the warm weather comes sooner rather than later. Let's get right into it. Chiefs had a couple of signings. Let's start with the quarterback they signed on Friday, Matt McGloin. Played college football at Penn State where he broke and still holds the record for most completions in a single season with 270. And was an honorable mention on the All-Big Ten team in 2012. He threw, for a school record, 46 career touchdowns. And all of them doing so within three seasons. As he only threw two passes in 2009. As a freshman, he went on drafted in 2013, spent four seasons with the Oakland Raiders, briefly on the Eagles staff last year, spent 2017 with the Houston Texans, now finds his way to Kansas City. And by the way, going back to the, the, the Houston signing there, he was picked up by the Texans Uh, and spent the rest of the year with him. That was in early November, and that was due to the injury. Season-ending injury for Deshaun Watson, that is. Who had a great career to start off. And Houston also signed TJ Yates at the same time. Now, people might be wondering if there's a connection there. A lot of times there is with certain signings here. There's definitely a connection with Houston as Bill O'Brien was the connection there. Bill O'Brien joined Penn State in 2012 after the late Joe Paterno was let go. Uh, And that was, of course, with the child sex abuse scandal involving Jerry Sandusky. Uh, O'Brien was hired the following season, and he and McGloin only spent one year together at Penn State, but eventually reunited in Houston. So, able to, to find a job in the NFL, but it looked like after the Eagles cut, uh, he w- considered retirement, but then Bill O'Brien found him, and he didn't play at all, but still was able to at least have some sort of a job in the NFL last season, and that has brought him to Kansas City look as far as the impact they'll have I'm not exactly sure it's hard to say with quarterbacks who could possibly be either the number three QB and could be inactive for a lot of games or maybe a guy who competes against somebody else I would still not rule out any possibility that the Chiefs would draft a quarterback late uh, maybe in the sixth or seventh run or maybe they maybe there's a quarterback that just misses getting drafted and Kansas City goes after him and bring, they bring them in uh, and possibly competes against McGloin for a spot on the roster so that's definitely something to consider with McGloin, uh signing with the Chiefs now of course you know college experience is always good when I say college experience I'm talking about some sort of success all of these players who Are in the NFL right now, they have some, they make some sort of an impact. They leave some sort of a legacy behind with their colleges. I mean, all of them have done something. Pat Mahomes, of course, had some great moments with Texas Tech and some of the more prolific offensive performances you'll see in NCAA history. Uh, You know, not everyone has success in terms of getting to bowl games and winning bowl games. Uh, but they have some sort of school records there. Matt McGloin has some of that. As we know, and we discussed this a lot in the last podcast, some, these college things don't always translate into success in the NFL. So we'll see what happens with Matt McGloin. I, I, I do think he ends up being part of the 53-man roster. Uh, unless the Chiefs do draft a quarterback, I think if they draft somebody, that person could be in favor over McGloin. Uh, by the time it comes to the 53-man roster cut. So uh, we'll see how that pans out. Chad Handy certainly is going to be on, especially with that $5.15 million contract that he's guaranteed just for the first year, that is. So I, I think he definitely has his roster spot locked up, and we'll see McGloin, I'm always intrigued with some of these college players who do really well in college, but don't necessarily pan out and do well in the NFL, or if they don't get drafted as early as some of us thought at some point, that they would have been drafted, so I'm always intrigued to see how some of these players do, I remember at one point, Chris Leak, who had a a very successful career in Florida before Tim Tebow got there, uh, and Troy Smith, I believe also, I believe they were both I can't remember at the same time or not. They were both briefly on Kansas City's roster, uh, but that was only during the offseason. So uh, you know, I'm always intrigued when these guys get uh, opportunities in the NFL and how they look in the preseason and if they can make any kind of an impact in those pre-exhibition games, essentially, in trying to maintain a spot on the roster. So I I think that would be the best-case scenario for Matt McGloin. Now, another player who the Chiefs signed and someone who I think could have a bigger impact on this football team. Veteran safety and special teams player Robert Golden. He went undrafted in 2012 out of Arizona. He has spent all six seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has been, this is pretty impressive. He's been available for all, for every game except for four. So out of 96 possible games, he's only been inactive four times in his career. He missed one game in his rookie season. And then he missed three in 2016 due to a hamstring injury late in the season that kept him on the sidelines. He didn't start in any games for the first three years. And then the other three years, the last three years, he has started quite a bit. Started 12 games combined. Not not a lot, but he's, he's at least shown that he's been gradually growing in the NFL as a defensive back. And he has always provided depth for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has two career interceptions. One of them came last year. Also has one forced fumble that came early in his career. And kind of an interesting note, I guess his the biggest highlight of his career came last year against the Cincinnati Bengals on a trick play. Completed a 44-yard pass to Darius Hayward Bay on a fake punt on 4th and 7. So obviously a very gutsy call doing so on 4th and 7. And keep in mind Andy Reid has called for a fake punt before. That was against the Atlanta Falcons, the game where Eric Berry really shined uh getting a uh, an interception touchdown, uh interception return for a touchdown, excuse me, and then also the pick two on a two-point attempt in which the Falcons were trying to be up uh, trying to go up by 3 instead that backfired and Kansas City of course took over uh, they took the lead and got the ball back at a very rare occasion something you probably may never see again man I mean, that's something that probably happens once every five years in the NFL so a very rare occasion but in that game in that second half Andy Reid did call for a fake punt on fourth and short in which Albert Wilson now at the Miami Dolphins took the snap and ran all the way for a touchdown so Andy Reid we know he's called a trick play like this before and it's nice to have a guy like Robert Golden who has had that experience uh in a trick play situation so maybe not too much I mean I wouldn't look too much into that but hey if you have guys who kind of have experience in that you never know sometimes that can always come through in certain situations now, as far as his impact on the team, let me just say this. With Kansas City's safety situation, yes, they've got Eric Berry coming back. But uh, the other safety spot, it is wide open. It really is. You look at who the Chiefs have. And again, obviously Eric is going to be returning. But Leon McQuaid III drafted last year late uh, in the draft sixth round to be exact. Daniel Sorensen, who played a lot in Eric Berry's absence in 2017. Eric Murray... Was drafted in the fourth round a couple of years ago. And now here are the Chiefs bringing in Robert Golden, a guy who has some experience in the NFL. Six years to be exact. And 12 starts under his belt. Maybe he's not an instant starter, but he, he certainly could pro- provide some depth if he's not going to be a week one starter. And even so... Listen, I, I mean, you never know if this guy could be a week one starter because... I mean, Daniel Sorensen, I, I think I don't think he gets enough credit for what he was able to do for the Chiefs in 2017. I'm not saying he was great. I'm not saying he was a great replacement for Eric Berry, but he certainly wasn't Sammy Knight, so to say. I mean, this guy, I feel like for a guy who filled it as a backup, I feel like he was a very serviceable backup, and he lived up to expectations. I mean, look, not everyone can... Fill in for Eric Berry's shoes completely. That's a very tall order. Uh, There are very few players like Eric Berry in this league. And I think the only other one out there right now like him is Earl Thomas. And, I mean, there have been some rumblings about where he could go. Uh, Kansas City, of course, a destination. Uh, Tyron Matthew, of course, uh, that would have been great. But unfortunately, he moved on to Houston. Uh, So, look, this is who Kansas City has on their roster right now. And I certainly would not rule out the possibility... Of a safety being drafted by the Chiefs this year. Because it's very thin beside Eric Berry. And I think that's definitely something that Chiefs fans need to consider here. Now, outside of the safety position, and I think this is, of course, very smart on Robert Golden's side of things. I think some players understand their roles and they know that they're not going to do very well on offense or defense, or maybe they're just not going to have any opportunities because of who's ahead of them on on the depth chart. So in Robert Golden's case, a guy who's been in the league for, for six years now, he's done a good job on special teams. This is a guy who's made some plays, special teams defense, unblocking, someone who, who's made an impact there. And if he can continue to do that in training camp and if he shows that in preseason games, and you'll hear preseason an- announcers always make a big deal out of this, and rightfully so. Those key moments on special teams, they could be more valuable in terms of... It'll also increase your chances in terms of earning a spot on the 53-man roster. We'll see how that all goes. Uh, Definitely something to watch out for this year with Robert Golden and how he does not just defensively, but also on special teams because players who can... I mean, if you do well, if you if you can prove prove that you can provide depth on offense or defense, and if you can really shine on special teams, head coaches are gonna, are gonna like that, and they'll definitely want to see if they can make room for you on a fifty three man roster. We're gonna make the transition now in bringing in Teres Taylor of the Kansas City Star. He's the chief speed writer for them. He's been on the podcast before. Bringing him back now. Uh, appreciate his time. Uh, very generous to give us a few minutes of his time to talk some Chiefs football. A lot to get into. Therese, appreciate you coming on. I, this has been a busy offseason. I can't remember in recent memory a busy offseason like this for the Chiefs. Releasing guys, trading for guys, signing guys. The Chiefs have done it all, and I imagine as a beat writer, you've been on your feet. You've been uh, busy quite a bit, and you, you've done a great job of it. Welcome to the podcast. How have you been, man? Hey, busy every time. This time of year, always
1: busy. There is no offseason in the NFL. I'm good with that. It's a lot of fun, so it's all good.
0: Therese, this is a transition kind of offseason for the Kansas City Chiefs. And what I mean by that, of course, they have traded away Alex Smith. And I know you were the first to break that story, trading him away to the Washington Redskins. Now moving on with Patrick Mahomes taking over the role as the starting quarterback. And Kansas City's done a lot to try to help him really have the best season possible this is essentially his red shirt rookie season and when you look at everything that he's got to work with they've got the uh leading rusher coming back in Kareem Hunt and a couple of other good running backs reliable running backs a 1,000 yard receiving tight end a 1,000 yard wide receiver in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey plus adding in Sammy Watkins uh it really just seems like Patrick Mahomes could be uh going into a season where really the Chiefs are setting him up to have all kinds of success at the same time I think there's gonna be a big learning curve for him too because like I said it's a red shirt rookie year for him as his first pri- primary season in the NFL yes he had those four preseason games plus another game last year in the regular season that felt that had that preseason type of feel so he's got all of those games under his belt he'll have another offseason with those first team repetitions but uh, what's your take on Patrick Mahomes as he moves forward and takes his starting role going into 2018.
1: You know what, I'm going to switch that up a little bit and talk about what the fans should expect. Um, Listen, if you follow me or anybody of us at the start during the season, you know one thing, that I believe in Patrick Mahomes. I do. I say that as somebody who loves football, who enjoys the game, not as someone who roots for the Chiefs, because I don't. I'm a beat writer. I'm down the middle. I'm telling you that Patrick Mahomes would excite me if he were the quarterback of my team. I believe in his talent. The things he can do, the throws he can make special. The Chiefs might finally have a superstar quarterback down the road. That said, I do expect there to be some bumps and bruises along the way. But just some, his talent is such that in today's NFL, you know, this is in 1995, okay, where quarterbacks are getting hunted and, you know, guys like Mahomes, like, they, they would have hit him a lot and, like, really punished them. Now they're, now I'm in the league, eh. You can't really play defense. It's, it's, built, it's built to throw, to throw the football. Um, you know, I, I think the way this league is tilted toward offense mes, meshes perfectly with Patrick Mahomes and his skill set. I think Andy Reid and Pat are going to have a huge year together as long as Patrick stays healthy. If Patrick gets hurt, it could get ugly.
0: Torres, a lot of Chiefs fans – we're just upset with these last two heartbreaking postseason losses. Every playoff loss is a heartbreaker, it feels like. But uh, the way the Chiefs went out in uh, after a great 2016 season where they outscored the Steelers two touchdowns to zero, the Steelers getting only field goals and still coming into Arrowhead after the Chiefs got a week off and stole uh, 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 a playoff victory from them. And then this past postseason where the Chiefs, had that big lead against the Tennessee Titans, and were completely shut down in the second half, allowing the Titans to come back and take that game away from them. This has been uh, really hard. and A lot of people have been critical fans, uh, have been very critical of Andy Reid and just how he's finished the season, back-to-back years for the Chiefs. Some people wanting him out, but I still think he's the right guy for the job. Do you feel like this edition of Patrick Mahomes could change Kansas City's fortune and they could get over this playoff hump of theirs?
1: Yeah, So, you know, I think I think fans in general kind of have the right to feel however they want to feel about Andy Reid, to be honest. Um, I get it, you know. I know that uh, they've had more than their share of disappointing losses, so you can say what you want and say how you feel. Um, he's still a very good coach, and I'm sorry to break that to a lot of people. He's still a very good coach. Um, their problem is their defense. You know, that could be the problem this season. Uh, I think they're going to score a lot of points. Um, I think they could lose games, though, because their defense surrenders a lot of points, too. If Eric Berry and Justin Houston, and, yes, even D Ford, if those guys miss a significant amount of time, Steven's going to have a hard time stopping people. Um, as far as Andy goes, I understand it. Like, you guys have been so close so many times in the past. Like, I get why, like, good is, like, not good enough, man. I I totally get that. And I, I, I feel for you guys because so I, I understand it. Um, that said, I think Andy deserves more seasons. I, I do, I, not just this year, but next year, and probably the year after that, too. Um, let's see what he can do with Patrick Mahomes. What you don't want to do is get another coach for him because Patrick Mahomes, you know, he it's taking him a year to kind of digest this playbook fully. You don't want to start getting young quarterbacks a whole lot of different coaches and criminology. You don't want to do that. You saw what happened to Alex Smith when he had that in San Francisco. So I think I think, I think think Andy should be here as long as Pat's here and as long as Pat has a chance to be a superstar, Andy should be here. And there needs to be some understanding of the importance of that from the fans.
0: Yeah, you certainly make a great point. Look at Mitchell Trubisky. The Chicago Bears traded up to get him number two overall, and the Bears just made a, a change with their head coaches. Former Chiefs offensive coordinator Matt Nagy now taking the head coaching reins, and we're seeing Trubisky kind of go through that uh, role where he is now having to learn a new offense, a new system, just in his second year in the NFL. So you certainly never want that when you draft a, a, a rookie quarterback. That, or not, He's not necessarily a rookie anymore, but someone who has a lot of potential. So it's certainly good that the Chiefs still have the same head coach and the same QB. And I do agree with you. That can definitely go a long ways With an NFL or for an NFL offense, I do want to ask you about the upcoming draft. You did mention the defense. A lot of people are expecting a defensive-heavy draft for the Chiefs. The first rounders, I mean, those are always—not I don't want to say always—but they're easier to predict to project. But when it comes to those second-round picks, the third-round picks, especially those third-day picks, also those become harder to predict and project, especially at the time of the draft, the moment it's all happening. You know, so many different things have already happened and you just don't know what to expect uh when certain teams are uh on the clock to pick in the second and third rounds and so on. Uh With that second round pick that the Chiefs have, that is going to be their first pick, assuming they don't trade up or anything. Do you expect the Chiefs to go heavy on defense in this draft? Or do you think maybe they could surprise us a little bit and uh, go for an offensive player with that first pick? Well, what do you think about the Chiefs in the draft?
1: Defense, defense, defense,
0: defense, defense,
1: defense. Um, <laughs> defense. No, no. Edge rusher, cornerback, defensive line, safety. Maybe even, um, maybe maybe even like a developmental inside linebacker too. Believe it or not, um, but don't sleep on one thing. Brett Beach is gonna draft the best player. There's a stud offensive player on the board. He's not gonna pass him up. Okay. Uh, especially with that first pick that they got in the second round. I would expect the Chiefs to be aggressive as it, turns, because as it relates to moving up. I think that's a possibility. But if they end up staying, don't sleep on tight end either. You know, Mike Gisicki from Penn State, that dude can play. Uh, all of a sudden, if you give Patrick Mahomes two tight ends that can ball out with Gisicki and Kelsey, whew, that's something. Plus, Gisicki adds some protection because Kelsey's 29, okay? So, Just saying, keep in mind, I think the Chiefs are wide open here. I think any of those positions fit. But absolutely, they're going defense, defense, defense for the most part.
0: Therese Paler of the Kansas City Star here with us on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Therese Paylor. Does a lot of great work there on social media. And of course, check out his work on the Kansas City Stars website. Final question from me, Terez, before we let you go, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I, I want to talk to you about Brett Veach, because I think even though a lot of people are talking about Patrick Mahomes and a lot, a lot of the players that are moving on from the Chiefs, a lot of the veterans that have been let go, and some of the newcomers coming in, a lot, how excited a lot of people are about that with the Mahomes transition here. But I think what's not be, being discussed as much, is Brett Veach, the new general manager for the Chiefs. And I say new, like he, he just got hired. But he hasn't even had this job for a full year. But I feel like he's been a very active general manager. That's not to say the some of the more previous uh recent GMs have not been active. Guys like Scott Pioli and John Dorsey. But I feel like in his first year, again, not even a full 12 months yet, I feel like Brett Veach really has been the most active GM the Chiefs have had uh, within the first 12 months What's your assessment on how Brett Veach has done up to this point in less than a year as a GM? I know one thing, man.
1: Brett is working his butt off. Um, it's funny watching him now compared to watching him last summer. Like he, <laughs> he's still like a young guy. He's only like thirty nine or forty, but like you can see how hard he's been working. You see it on his face, man. This <laughs> like, the first time at the owners' meeting last week I saw him. He just he seemed kind of um, not tired at all because he's got like a lot of juice and a lot of energy. But you can just see it, you know. And uh, I think he's working his butt off. Um, and I also think that every move he's made, he said this. I actually believe it. I think every move he's made, he believes has been for the good of that football team. Um, and I know it's a lot of it's a shock to a lot of people. Um, a lot of people will say that that that's BS because you traded Marcus Peters. No, they they think trade Marcus was in the best interest for the football team. That's not coach speak. That's not you know uh, they they believe they believe that and um, you know it's up to you to decide whether or not you believe that, but they do. Um, I, I think it's only going get, to gonna get harder for you guys. Which relates to that though, because Marcus is going to have a great season in Los Angeles. I mean, he could win Defensive Player of the Year. I think he's got that in him. Um, I, especially with money coming, you know, he's playing for money. Yeah, that's going to be tough for you guys to swallow, but. You know, think about how aggressive Brett's been, you know, I I just don't think he trades Marcus um, unless he thinks it's for the good of the team. So we'll see if it ends up working out. You know, it's hard to replace a guy that challenges.
0: He is Terrence Paler of the Kansas City Star. Check out his work over at the Star's website. Or uh, if you still get the newspaper in the mail, hey, that's another way to check out some of his work. And you can follow him on social media, on Twitter, at Therese Paler. Therese, appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we can talk to you again in the future. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Okay, man. Have a good one. All right, you do the same, Therese. That's Therese Paler once again, of the Kansas City Star. Make some interesting points here. Let me just say this. I don't know if I fully agree, uh, and I, he, he did mention training up is a possibility. I don't know if I fully agree with, the, I mean, sure, anything's possible. Yes, and I'm hearing a lot of rumors left and right. A lot of people on the, a couple of people on the Facebook page were talking about possibly moving up. Look, guys, you, we've got to be realistic too with these kinds of things. What do the Chiefs have to that that they can trade to move up? Yes, they've got a lot of great players that a lot of teams would love to give up a first round draft pick for. But realistically, from a Chief standpoint, do you want to give up Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill? Or anyone else on the roster right now? Because I don't know if that's really... With what you have right now on this roster and the potential... I mean, this this team has a high ceiling. I don't know if I want to lose anyone else. A lot of people were frustrated with Marcus Peters' loss. I I, I mean, I am too and, I, and still am. But I don't think they're going to be terrible without him. Because look... You've got two very good and underrated corners, as I've been saying for a while this offseason. So I think they're still set at cornerback. Maybe they draft someone else early. Who knows? Uh, But I still think for the most part, this is a roster that you want to keep. Who you have right now, you want to keep moving forward. And I don't know, realistically, if the Chiefs could really move up in the draft. Unless they're wanting to part ways with Kelsey. I mean, maybe there's something in there that we don't know about. But I doubt it. Uh, so for the most part, I, I think Kansas City is stuck with that second round pick. That's going to be their first pick. Essentially, That that is their first round pick. Their number one pick in this draft. So that'll be Kansas City's first pick. I know it's not going to lead to an exciting draft for the Chiefs. But hey, look at uh, the draft when the Kansas City Chiefs selected Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill. Two guys taken outside of the first round. Chris Jones taken in the second round, and Tyree Kill in the fifth round. And those guys have panned out and have done great things for Kansas City. So, listen, I'm not really fretting over a first-round pick. I hear a lot of fans get so upset that their team doesn't tank and they do well. And then midway through the season, they run into a wall and they finish 8-8 eight and eight with a really bad draft pick. Listen, I think draft placement is... Incredibly overrated. I know the younger sports fans, they, they always assume that you can't get anyone else after the top five or top 10 or something like that. And I, and I think that's, uh, a, a, an incorrect way of having, uh, that view, that point of view for the draft. Again, I, I've mentioned this with the Chiefs, uh, just recently in 2016 when they drafted Chris Jones and Tyree Kill outside of the first round. So there are bright-eyed players you can pick. Outside of the first round. Do I need to give you guys some reminders with the Chiefs? Jamal Charles. Justin Houston. Dante Hall. Jared Allen. I mean the Chiefs have a long list. If we had to go through a list of some of the best players to be taken outside of the first round. Kansas City has been very lucky in in getting guys outside of the first round. And having them fall to their laps. So listen if I'm a Chiefs fan here I, I don't panic over the fact that they don't have a first-round pick. I'm okay with it, to be quite honest with you, because look what they gave up last year to to be at this point right now. They have Patrick Mahomes, uh, and had they not traded up to, to, to make that move with the Buffalo Bills, they probably don't have Mahomes. They probably would not have gotten Deshaun Watson either. So I'm okay with the Chiefs not having a first-round pick, and I hope you guys, after hearing just what I've been saying for a couple minutes now, can feel the same way because again, I totally think draft placement is completely overrated. You can, l- l- let's just watch the Cleveland Browns, for example. They've got a lot of picks and assuming they keep all of them, especially those high picks, they've got number one, number four, several others. That's great and all, but will you be able to use them wisely? And the players who you draft, will they be able to pan out well? John Dorsey's done a great job of it. He keep in mind he was the guy who got Chris Jones and Tyree Kill. Of course, had Marcus Peters uh, fall all the way to him in that first late first round pick. So we'll see how things go with Dorse. And I think that's one to keep an eye on. But some teams, they have all these picks and that's cool. But they don't know how to use them wisely. That's the most important thing. It's always quality over quantity, right? I mean, we've heard that phrase many times. I'll take both quality and quantity. Don't get me wrong. We've always got to go after quality first. And the Kansas City Chiefs, even when they don't have the greatest draft placement, they've gone after quality. Let me give you one more quick example. Keep in mind, Glenn Dorsey was taken 5th overall by the Chiefs. Tyson Jackson was taken 3rd overall. And those guys did not have great careers in Kansas City. So again, it just goes to my point that the draft placement does not mean everything. So please don't fret over that if you are feeling down or if you're disappointed that the Chiefs don't move up on uh draft day on thursday night whenever the nfl draft gets underway for that first round which uh, of course we know the draft has changed so much they have the first rounder on a thursday the second and third on a friday and then the rest on a saturday so again i think chiefs fans shouldn't feel too bad over the fact that they will not be seeing a first round pick this year time to wrap up the show let's go around the nfl Man, look at the LA Rams. All the moves they've made this offseason on the defensive side of the football. Now, they make a move on the offensive side. They trade their first-round pick, 23rd overall. Trading it to the Patriots for wide receiver Brandon Cooks. Of course, it made a lot, but finally a notable move on the offensive side. And of course, this will be replacing Sammy Watkins, who's now here in Kansas City. Uh, look, I think this is a good move for the Rams, and of course, a lot of people are going to be talking more so about some of their defensive additions rather than a move like this, but I think this is also going to be one that a lot of people at LA are going to be talking about, and just how much of an impact this is going to make for that offense, and Jared Goff and everything that he's going to have to work with, that's going to be pretty huge, and you look at the Rams, I, I, I didn't have high expectations for the Rams. You guys heard me say it last year. I thought they were going to be a, a team competing for a top five pick in the draft. And look how far they made it. Certainly the team that impressed me the most and surprised me the most in 2017. And with all of the additions they are making, they can only go up from here. And I think a lot of people are really looking forward to seeing, you know, they, they've got all the additions. It's great. Now, can we stop crowding them on paper? And can they finally do these things that a lot of people are expecting them to do on the gridiron. And I definitely think they're going to live up to the hype. And one player that didn't live up to the hype, but is going to be getting a second chance in the NFL, Robert Griffin III. Yes, he's back, folks. Sat up all of 2017. Signed a one-year contract now with the Baltimore Ravens, that is. Last start for him. It's been a while. It was on January the 1st of 2017. Which was week 17 of the 2016 season. Sat all out of all uh, of 2017. And hey look, a a change of scenery never hurts. Maybe Harbaugh helps him. I've got to admit, I'm surprised with a QB like RG3, he didn't sign with the Chiefs. I imagine Andy Reid and, and the Chiefs considered it at some point. But perhaps Reed saw something in him that he didn't like, so instead they may have moved on from him. We'll never know. But nonetheless, he did find a home in the NFL, and good for him. Look, obviously a lot of potential, former Rookie of the Year winner. Very disappointing ending for him that rookie season and what happened with the injury and just how frustrated he got after that. Things just went downhill for the Redskins. Uh, Hopefully he gets an opportunity. And look, I, I don't wish any injury upon... Uh, Joe Flacco. I mean, that's their guy for sure. If, for whatever reason, he does get hurt or doesn't play very well, the Ravens do have a guy who has experience coming in, and I think that's going to be good. I'd love to see him. Certainly, like I mentioned kind of with McGloin, here's a guy who has more significant experience, and I think his preseason is going to be very intriguing to watch this year. Definitely one that I I definitely want to tune in for uh, before things kick off for real. In the regular season in September last story not necessarily NFL related but look I, I, I know we have our differences of we can talk all we want about how players should quote-unquote stick to sports and whatnot but listen I mean if, if we really wanted to if we were all in agreement with that if players really did stick to sports I, I mean look I don't know if this story uh, would have been a situation here yeah at least it maybe it would not have been prevented because look a lot of times people say players should stay away from non-sports related things I completely disagree. Of course we see charity events and so many great things players do out there. Uh, Danny Amendola, uh, he certainly could have saved a potential school shooting and I'm sure you guys hear it on the news and I'm sure you guys heard about the YouTube headquarters, what happened there. Uh, just very unfortunate but somebody sent Danny Amendola a uh, DM, a direct message on Instagram saying, dude... There is a kid in your comment section who says he is going to shoot up a school. I think you should alert the authorities. Now, his assistant uh, found the comment of a kid saying, I'm going to shoot up my school. Watch the news. Uh, they they informed police as they traced that comment to a 14-year-old in Michigan who did have two rifles that belonged to his mother. Uh, just a very disturbing Story, of course, but hey, I i mean, props to the person who informed Amandola of this, who, of course, then had to inform his assistant. Um, it, It's never something you want to see. And unfortunately, I mean, look, there was a school in Olathe where a student brought a loaded gun. And I mean, just these things are very unfortunate. But uh, listen, we, we obviously praise and criticize players for what they do on the field and sometimes off the field if they get in trouble and whatnot. I mean, listen, I, I mean, some players get praised for charity events but we we criticize players more for getting in trouble rather than praising them off the field for charity events they do and obviously this is not a charitable event or anything but look Danny Amendola I mean we always hear the phrase especially nowadays with everything that goes on if you see something say something technically he he heard it or saw it on his social media and did something about it and you got to give Amendola a lot of credit for this. Because anything we can do to, to slow down any of these instances. I don't know the solutions for this. That's not what this podcast is about. But at least something was done about it to prevent it from happening. And you got to give Amandola a lot of love for this. I mean, who cares who he plays for or, or what he's done to your team in the past. Whatever. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're, they're football players. People are people. And Amendola, I mean, he put on his, his personal hat on. And said, look, I've got to do something about this. And uh, glad he did so. It's hard to keep track of all these comments. Uh, and I don't know what Amandola's following is on social media exactly. I guess for the Patriots, considering how many fans they have there. And basically everyone in that area follows the Patriots. Uh, it's probably a big following. I mean, you're probably a big celebrity by default if you play for the Patriots. I don't know exactly how it works. But uh, probably gets a lot of comments, too, with that said. So... Certainly good that uh, somebody found out about it and Amandola did something about it. Time to go Out of Bounds. So the Masters is banning the word Dilly Dilly from that Bud Light commercial. I think it's Bud Light. I don't know. I don't care. So, any rowdy golf fan who says it or shouts it during the event will be removed. Thank you. I love it. I think dilly dilly, and the fact that I've said it a couple of times, I lose credibility automatically. I I mean, I I lose credibility the more I say this. I I lose IQ points from just even saying that. But I think that is the dumbest thing ever. I mean, I see people comment on their social media uh, oh we're, we're tailgating and, and and lock D dilly dilly I just no just stop it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard and I am thankful and I am very appreciative of whoever made this rule give them a raise just give them a raise KU of course fell flat against Villanova in the final four uh, Villanova the eventual national champions and played lights out in this game Uh, but listen, it it wasn't just... Villanova deserves credit. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, a lot of KU fans are making excuses saying, hey, Villanova was just hard to stop. Not necessarily. KU played terrible defense in this game. And even at one point where they just let guys... I mean, Villanova was just shooting lights out from beyond the arc, but then it got to the point where KU got obsessed with trying to defend the perimeter. They forgot about what could be going on underneath the basket and they let guys get in there wide open for some dunks and Villanova didn't attempt a free throw I don't think until the second half if I remember correctly so that was pretty tough to take in as a KU fan myself I'm sure for others out there Uh, very tough to see of course Malik Newman kind of surprised by this, he is declaring for the NBA uh, gonna be going to the draft and has hired an agent, so he will be moving on very surprising on my end uh, yeah, he had a great, but, but hey look he had a great postseason, did great in the Big 12 tournament and also in the NCAA tournament and I think nowadays uh, now, we're in this era now, it's what have you done lately even in a short time span uh, that success in that short amount of time could do dividends for you, so Good from Alec Newman. If, If someone got in his ear and said, hey, NBA scouts love you and they would definitely consider drafting you, then he deserves to go. So certainly deserving of the opportunity. Speaking of the opportunity, if you have the opportunity to catch UFC 223 this week, do it. It's going to be epic. I will talk more about it on my other podcast, the Cage Zone podcast, which is also out now on iTunes. Subscribe to that if you haven't. Listen to the UFC 223 preview. This is going to be an epic event. Let me just tell you what's going on. For those who are casuals and maybe don't follow it as much. If you're looking for the Ronda Rousey's, the Conor McGregor's, the next Ronda Rousey or Conor. There could be a couple of those new guys on this event. Rose Namajunas will face Ioana Ojechic in a rematch. Rose KO'd Ioana in the first round back in November Handed Joanna her first ever loss And took her belt from her Now she has to prove she can do it for a second time Rose Nami Yunus did by the way compete At UFC on Fox 24 last year When it was in Kansas City So very cool to see uh, a former fighter in Kansas City Also fought for Invicta Which is KC based uh, So definitely a little bit of bias there from me uh, For Rose Nami Yunus. Also Khabib Nurmagomedov Uh, A guy who's undefeated 25-0 is going to be fighting Max Holloway, who has not lost in a couple of years. Last loss came to Conor McGregor, also as a featherweight champion, which is what Conor McGregor used to be. Uh, Max Holloway could own the two belts Conor McGregor once had simultaneously. Uh, And Khabib, this guy is undefeated. If he wins, he'll be 26-0 and will finally win a UFC belt. Uh, Max Holloway, he is stepping in on short notice because Tony Ferguson, the interim lightweight champion, got injured. So these guys are fighting for a lightweight title. And again, Max Holloway... One of two things will happen with the main event. Either Max Holloway will be a two-division champion uh, at featherweight and lightweight. The only other person to do that is Conor McGregor, with the same two belts. And that could set up a crazy Conor McGregor versus Max Holloway matchup. Or... Khabib Nurmagomedov will win, and he will be undefeated at 26-0, and will finally win a UFC belt. Either way, this is going to be a very epic event, and the fight, both fights, should be very intriguing to watch. So, I would certainly suggest it if you are an MMA casual fan, if you're not too aware of what's going on in MMA, if you're just waiting for the big-name guys to pop up, well, listen, there are going to be two big-name guys on this card. I think Rose will become... A big-name fighter again when she hands Joanna her second loss. And then, look, Max Holloway, Khabib Nurmagomedov, the winner becomes a superstar regardless. I think Khabib wins this one. I think he'll finally become a champion. And Max Holloway, it's its its a win-win situation for him. He still gets paid. He still will be the featherweight champion. And we'll go back to the featherweight division after this. So, uh, there will be a superstar for sure from the main event. And from the co-main event, Rose, I think, will finally jump to Superstar Tandrum Once she gives Joanna Her second Loss Being the only one To hand her A loss In the UFC Definitely check it out If you have a chance This Saturday UFC 223 Final segment of the show Time to throw Just one Penalty flag Alright this is a topic I have discussed before And I I always think it's worth mentioning. And unfortunately, I don't think this is a topic that we'll ever ever see a solution to. And I think this is something very serious that I think parents should definitely talk to their kids about. And that is the use of social media. As I'm sure you guys have heard, uh, or even saw, Dante DaVinci of Villanova quickly went from hero to zero after old offensive tweets... Using the N word. Apparently, he was quoting songs, but old tweets that contained the N word surfaced during the game and after the game. Uh, So Villanova, they wrote a statement. I I think sometime overnight, in a tweet saying that his account got hacked. They were wrong. I mean, those were. He has not used his Twitter in in quite a while. I think for a couple of years. So, these were all old tweets. It's not like he just tweeted them overnight. Some people had that impression. Villanova obviously did. They realized that was incorrect. So, Villanova deleted the statement. They deleted the tweet. Now, DaVinci claims he does not remember the tweet. And after all the criticism he's taken, he recently deleted the account completely. Stephen A. Smith says it's foul to criticize someone for something they tweeted a long time ago. As a kid. Let me just say this. And I, I know on Facebook we have those. On this day. Uh, little category. Where you can see some of the things you've posted in the past. And I've I've looked at some of the things I've posted. And I, I cringe a little bit. Um, but listen. I'd like to think that at the same time. If for whatever reason. Uh, people want to expose anything I've written. I don't think I've written anything ever out of line. Nothing offensive. Uh, nothing, uh, racial or homophobic. I don't think any of those, I I, I mean, you could track my social media. I certainly would not be able to find that, but, uh, people out there, they find some crazy stuff. I don't know if you guys remember the boy in Tennessee who was bullied and cried about it and got a ton of support from people, celebrities, uh, athletes, so many people, somebody found out the mother had a social media post of the kids holding confederate flags and guns. And and basically the story took a complete turn. And people just started criticizing the family instead. Um, here's a good example. Eli Apple uh, of the Giants. The quarterback for the Giants. When he got drafted by the Giants. Right after the draft pick. A tweet resurfaced of him Couple of years, uh, several years prior, before saying, uh, "quote must suck to be a Giants fan today." hashtag Shut out, sh- uh, hashtag Embarrassing. That was uh, uh, three and a half years before he got drafted, before he uh, played at Ohio State, and that was in reference to the Giants getting shut out by the Falcons, thirty-four uh, nothing, I believe, in twenty eleven or twenty twelve. So, these things do come up, folks. It's very important that you're careful with what you say on social media because, listen, I mean, let me just say this with reality TV contestants, uh, they'll say certain things on their social media, and then when they go on the show, it, they become a big name. People will dig through their past and say, oh, well, this person said this in the past. Uh, and this can be very damaging. If people are trying to apply for a job, and look, a name like Farzine Vesugian, which I don't know if any of you guys know any other Farzine Vesugians, but if you do, let me know because that'd be kind of crazy. But I have Googled my name before, and I do suggest I mean, if you're in high school and college and you're listening to this podcast, Google your name, see what comes up. Uh, Because for me personally, because my name, nobody else has my name. But, again, as I said, if you know anyone that has my name, let me know. That'd be cool to to meet. Uh, But because my name is so unique, and, again, for anyone else that has a unique first or last name or both, if you just Google your own name, your social media will come up on the first page. My LinkedIn comes up. My website comes up. These podcasts come up. Uh, My point is... If you're going to apply for a job and you have a very unique name... So, for example, if your name is Michael Smith, well, look, it's going to be hard to find anything negative about you. But if if you've got a name like mine that's unique and rare... I mean, anything about you that is out there on on the web, uh, figure it out if it's it's a negative thing. Why is it on there? What can you do to remove that, especially if it's false? Um, I did talk about the incident with a KU cheerleader... A couple of years ago, uh, after Donald Trump won the election, uh, she had three male cheerleaders line up uh, and they all wore those ugly KU sweaters that had the letter K on them. And the three KU cheerleaders who lined up, the male cheerleaders, uh, their shirts basically said KKK and on her Snapchat she said KKK go Trump in the caption. And that someone screenshot that. Her name was on the corner of the Snapchat. So everyone saw it was hers. She was trying to make an excuse on Twitter. That someone took her phone. Which was complete BS. It's still your phone. It's still under your name. You should never allow that. But my point is. She had a very unique name. Uh, Her first name is Lily. But the way she spelled it. Very uncommon compared to other Lilies and her last name, which I I won't mention right now because it's not relevant to the point. But my point is she had a very unique first and last name. And if you Googled her name, which I did right after that incident, it is just articles of her and the KKK comment that she made on her Snapchat. So, And look, I don't ever wish anything upon anyone, anything bad that is, but um, if you're going to apply for a job... And was something bad about you on the web, it's going to be very hard to find a job. A buddy of mine plagiarized for the student newspaper at KU, and he's got a very unique... And I don't want to say his, his name, uh, but his first name is a very common name. However, the way it's spelled is completely different than all the other ways his first name is spelled. And of course, he also has a very unique last name. So if you if you were to Google his name, you will see the article of him that says that he plagiarized for the student newspaper and all the ar- other news outlets that talked about it. So uh, you've got to be very careful in these situations. You you have a very unique name like Dante DiVincenzo. Oh boy, uh, anything you have said in the past, if employ- I mean, I don't know what his future is. He'll play in the NBA for sure. But if he were to apply for a job in accounting, let's just say, they're going to Google his name and they're going to see not about how he was the most outstanding player in the Final Four, they're going to see articles about him writing these tweets. It is a very, very sensitive subject. And listen, if you, if you have something that you've tweeted before or posted on social media, clean that up. That way it cannot be used against you. People tweet stupid things as kids. And let me just say, I'm glad Twitter was not around when I was in elementary or middle school, because I may have said a couple of stupid things. Maybe not nothing racial like that, but something at least stupid that maybe could be used against me. Maybe, I think everyone here is guilty of that. People say stupid things as kids, that's fine. But when you make it public like that, and make it racial, that can be used against you. Doesn't matter if you're in your 20s applying for a job, you did something in your teen years. Uh, It will be used against you, and that may not be fair, but that's just the way it works. That's the reality of it, and you never want anything like that to be used against you. Let me hear your guys' thoughts on anything we've discussed on this podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzin Vesugian. Like and follow my page on Facebook. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzin21. You guys can also send me an email, Farzin at com. A big thanks to Therese Paler for joining us here on the podcast. Therese Paler, chief speed writer of the Kansas City Star. Follow him on Twitter, at Therese Paler. You guys can also subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you do so. Share the podcast on social media. Let your friends know about it. Share it with them. Let them know about the Chiefs on podcast. A big thanks to you guys, listeners, for listening to this episode of the Chiefs on podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back next week talking about any Chiefs news and notes. We'll be getting closer and closer to the draft as we are in the month of April. So we'll talk about that more as we get closer. Enjoy your weekend. Stay warm. Hopefully there's not a lot of snow out there. Talk to you next week.